Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. And we are recording. And I don't know about you guys, it's cold outside. I'm feeling cold. Baby, it's cold outside. Although if you were in your hometown, Bill, you'd probably have about eight feet of snow right now, I'm thinking, right? They they are expecting lake effect snow in in uh, western New York this wow. weekend, several multiple inches. There's a state of emergency. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not joking. It's it's no. uh, that's no time in Rochester, yeah. I used to live on Lake Michigan in Chicago and man, watching those storms come in off that lake, it's pretty intense. When they say lake affects snow here, they're talking about Lake Agawam. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to want to taste those snowflakes on my tongue. Gosh, who knows it's coming out of the sky around Lake Agawam. Microcystic. It's green snow. <laughs> yeah, not easy being green. It's blue-green. <laughs> blue-green. <laughs> so hi, everyone. So that was, uh, that was a soothing voice of Upstate's Bill Sutton in the beginning. How are you, Bill? Good, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And also here with us is Brendan O'Reilly. Hey, Brendan. Hi, Annette. Hi, everybody. I'm Brendan. I'm the deputy managing editor. And Kitty Merrill's here, a writer, reporter extraordinaire. Hey, Kitty. Hey, I am Kitty Merrill. I am the government and police reporter, but every once in a while, I get to do a story about cool people doing happy stuff. So can we put that on a business card? I want to know. <laughs> and I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And today we have two very special guests. And that is Jay Schneiderman, who is the supervisor of Southampton Town, and Matt White, who is not the supervisor of Southampton Town. <laughs> but Matt and Jay are on here because they have a very interesting partnership going on, and it is more musically inclined and um, Kitty, do you want to launch us into the story of Matt and Jay and the recent success they had with their team teamed up songwriting experiences? Sure, briefly, I, because I like I like it when they tell the story themselves. But basically, Jay is our town supervisor, and like I said, I cover government, and so we interact a great deal. And uh, he just happened to mention to me, "Oh, and my song was on the Bachelorette," and I was like, "What?" The winds of change. interview Matt and Jay of course we know but we were in uh down at Jay's garage uh 
for an interview and some pictures. And I think I, I love the way, the way Matt describes how he went about how he happened to meet Jay and what he feels about um, the way he feels about Southampton and Sag Harbor. He, he described it as uh, similar to Nashville. Wow. By, by the way, well, let me interrupt, Jay, if you don't open up a coffee shop called Jay's Garage after this, <laughs> then, then you're missing Joe's an garage? opportunity. There you go. Next career so, move. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check the zoning for a lot of years. And then yeah, in the I'm, back, you gotta have I, a hookah. You gotta have a hookah. Uh, I might. I might have to make new zoning. You know. So Matt, maybe you can talk talk about how you came to know and meet Jay. Yeah, and how you came to Sac Harbor too. Yeah. So well, I mean, I've been coming out to Eastern Long Island since I was a kid. I grew up in New York um, City. Went to school here, and you know, then. Uh, went to University of Wisconsin-Madison, got a record deal, um, and we bought our place in 2012. And I would always like, you know, the Sag Harbor Music Festival, you'd walk around and be like, well, there's like a tremendous amount of talent. Like, you know, some not so, so talented, but like there was really like a lot of talent in town. And I met uh, uh, these guys, Hopefully Forgiven, which is a band in Sag Harbor, and you know, would go around and like, you know, you have pedal steel players, you have lap steel players, you have really prof like proficient musicians. And I, I used to say like, this is crazy. Like what I'm looking for in New York City, in New York City, like after like 2007, eight, nine, everything shifted to like LA and Nashville. Mm. And um, I would go to these like Barron's Cove and hear these guys play. And a friend of mine said, I think, you know, when I looked back on the messages, I think I was looking for a drummer for something. And she mentioned Jay Schneiderman. And, and I had known his name just as a politician or as the mayor or town supervisor. And so I basically thought, well, Schneiderman's a fairly common name. I guess it's like two Jay Schneidermans. They must get confused a lot. So it wasn't until, I don't know, three or four years ago or however long, I met uh, Ali Alessandro Giancola, who's also a super talented guitar player, unbelievable instincts. You know, like you have these studio guys who get hired to play on, you know, various records, and there's something you get with that. Then you get you get musicians who just play from the heart. And sometimes, like, in the last 10 years of, like, recording music, you don't really want the studio guys as, as the ones that just play from the heart. Um, but, but so I, I realized that there was like sort of a Nashville quality, you know, if you listen to Sheryl Crow's first record, Tuesday Night Music Club, that was a group of people that got together, got together every Tuesday night and wrote Leaving Las Vegas, Strong Enough, All I Want to Do, all these unbelievable songs. And they used to get, get together every Tuesday night in LA and have dinner and cook each other dinner. They were all struggling musicians. And you always hear stories like that, like Laurel Canyon. And I, I told Jay today to watch the show Nashville, which is the show that was on ABC. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Mm -hmm. And um, what's her name? Uh, Hayden Panettiere is one of the stars in it. And Connie Britton is another star. It was a hugely successful show. But in that show is this place called Bluebird Cafe, which is if you go to Nashville, any night you can go to Bluebird and maybe you'll see Taylor Swift play acoustic songs. And it just had this whole energy about it in a very supportive way and i always 
thought, you know, in the early 2000s, like music, musicians weren't super supportive of each other. But now it's getting back to that. Like, you know, you watch a documentary about Laurel Canyon, you hear Joni Mitchell is in Laurel Canyon and she's dating Stephen Stills and then Glenn Glenn and Don Henley are living in a house together. He starts writing uh, Desperado 10 years earlier. And you just hear these unbelievable stories because music is really collaborative. I mean, you know, as I said the other week, you know, Bernie Taup and Elton John, you know, it really comes from the collaboration of, of things. And now they're Schneiderman and White. Yeah, exactly. Lennon and McCartney, Schneiderman and White, exactly. I think it probably has to be White and Schneiderman. I, either or, I have no ego. But... You know, so so Jay and Ollie and I started getting together and they became these very inspiring jams because there was no we, we weren't holding ourselves up to something and it was very organic. And I think when that happens, great stuff results from it when there's no pressure. And I think like we were writing and writing and then we did a concert at uh, Stevens Talkhouse and then COVID happened and we sort of only had each other in a way, you know, like no one was going out. And so we were jamming in Jay's garage. And so, you know, that's sort of how it all happened. But I really believe that like people don't know Sag Harbor and Southampton, like there's a big music scene and there are a lot of great players. Yeah, it's small enough environment. It's almost like the people that you can't meet in Manhattan, you can meet out here, you know? Yeah, but everyone plays an instrument. I mean, you if you walk through the Sag Harbor Music Festival, you're like, wow, I mean, he's got, these bands are like, great. Let me turn this way. There's another great band. Let me turn this way. Wow, pedal steel play, which is like unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Just a, a quick little note, you know, that kind of ties into the whole government side is I think it's gotten harder and harder for as, aspiring musicians to live in the community. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's this great scene, but we've lost a whole bunch of great players who've moved down to North Carolina, um, you know, or other places that, you know, even though there might have been gigs here, the cost of living here was so high. And it's so seasonal that we've lost some real talent, but there always seems to be some people around who move into town, um, you know, who who are really talented, creative people who uh, we then team up with. So Jay, when did you start making music? I mean, I know I've always known you as a drummer around town, but um, you know, how, how talk a little bit about balancing being a politician with being a musician. So you know, I I started drumming when I was a little kid though it wasn't my first instrument I think it was French horn or clarinet and piano and I I didn't like any of them mm. and you know my parents used to beg me to practice and I didn't want to practice and then I switched to drums and my parents used to beg me not to practice <laughs> <laughs> it was so loud you know right. um, and, and I you know I loved it though I, I you know drumming it definitely felt good to me. And maybe it worked out some of my stresses when I was younger. And um, I started writing lyrics at a really young age. I probably like maybe 12 or 13. Uh, I wrote a bunch of songs. And I remember I had a, a teacher back then who gave some assignment, some like poetry or songwriting thing. And um, I, you know, I wrote this song and she was convinced that I had plagiarized it that I didn't oh. write it myself. Really? She couldn't believe that I had written it. And she said, and I said, no, I, I made that song up. And she's like, well, if you did, you're really talented. You know, you're really talented. You should do this. And 
Um, so all like all my life, I've been writing lyrics, mostly in my head and sometimes conceptualizing the music because I sort of sing to myself um, a melody that goes with the lyrics. But I never really partnered or tried to record them or get them out into the world. And I just sort of did other things. I, I taught school. I, I ran hotels. Um, I did the government stuff. I was, you know, busy person, as you know, and I never, I sort of, it was always sort of in the back of my mind that one day I'll get to try to record these songs and put them out in the world. And of course, like my kids, I would sing songs to them to put them to sleep when they were little. And like, they know all the lyrics to, to all my songs, which is great. But, you know, they would always say too, you know, dad, you got to do something with your music. And so you know, I, I tried to write with some different people, not very successfully. It just never clicked. And then sort of Matt and Alessandro sort of came into my life right around the same time. And I started writing, I think, first with Alessandro. And uh, we put about five or six songs together. And then uh, and then I met Matt and uh, we started working on some of the stuff that I had already written lyrics to and trying to find the music. But um, it was a little different with Matt. Matt had a lot of musical concepts that needed words. And so he would, you know, sing these songs to me. Sometimes he'd send me a, you know, a little MP3, a little recording on the phone of, of him playing guitar and then sort of scatting, just like making up nonsensical words. Um, not real words, but where the words would go. And I would be able to hear sort of the vowel sounds, the higher notes, the lower notes. And then I would then try to, almost like solving a puzzle, find the words that fit perfectly, you know, into the, you know, the way they were punctuated, the way they went up or down, words that would sing right in that space. Um, and it's something like I, I, I really enjoy doing. It's like solving a puzzle. So we did, Matt, we did a whole bunch. I want to say we've done 20 songs like that where, He's given me, well, maybe a little bit less than 20, because some of them are ones where I had a musical concept, but a lot of them in that fashion where he is just sending me um, a song without the words and I'm finding the words. Hmm. Can you show us an example of one? I mean, there there are so many. I don't even know. Um... Yeah, let me think. I mean, I could do like... Um... You're thinking of, I wish I'd known the circumstance, that one, whatever the name is. Of yeah, because I actually don't remember the lyrics, even though I did record it. So that's how, you know, I mean, it's it, it's really, it's it's very, it's very, I mean, people do it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm always blown away by like Billy Joel, who can do it all, like, it's just unbelievable. But it's very hard to do, to take a story and make the words sing well and make them make sense. And it's something that I think singer songwriters or songwriters like myself like that that was always my weakness and there are a lot of guys out there who are big songwriters who just do i mean look uh yesterday was scrambled eggs scrambled eggs yeah i mean so so you know it's paul mccartney right, right. who you know is the best one of the best songwriters in the history of music well, matt do um, you have the lyrics there um i don't but i thought i was going to scat that's just well, what we'll i like to do anyway yeah Either that or we're going to make Jay sing. I don't know. Or he can, re he can recite them. So why don't you scat a little bit and then I'll pull up the lyrics here. 
So this was just like an idea. I was just jamming. So it was like. And then I always say a chorus. I know I sound a women I know I sound a And you know, there are a lot of writers who do that exact thing. I mean, I have, I get like 500 voice memos from various songwriters from like the Nashville crew, from like the Los Angeles crew, which is just that exact thing. Because it's hard for someone like me to even sit down and write a sentence that makes sense in, in a song. It can take me days. And, um, you know, we say to Jay, like, in the tradition of lyricists, like, you will work like Diane Warren is a famous lyricist. She wrote, um, don't want to close my eyes, don't want to, the Aerosmith song. You know, there are people who um, have the vision for the song lyrically, and they're, they're, they will work on it. I mean, Jay sends me, like, 30 revisions. And so when that happens, it usually makes the song great because you're really, the de- it's all in the details um you know that's for like 90 percent. then you listen to someone like chris martin from coldplay and he's like well most of my lyrics don't make sense and you're like all right maybe that, that whole theory's out the window you know local support comes from the law firm of toomey latham shea kelly dubin and Raro. in these trying times working full-time for their clients in the public interest providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website. SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. So when a songwriting team, would would the um, music generally come before the words? Is that accurate? Uh, Usually, but not always. So Matt, if you want, I could screen share the words for that song that you just were playing. Yeah, sure. And then if you want to sing it off of that... So, so the funny thing is, like, I, re- I remember the lyrics to every song I've ever written. You know, Matt, Matt doesn't remember. I remember one time we were playing a show and it was outside and the wind actually blew away the lyrics. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, Matt's going to scat the whole song. So he did all right, too. Yeah, do people think it's funny when you don't know the lyrics to your own song, Matt? <laughs> That's, that's, I mean, I, I found that, I mean, I remember when I first started performing, my record label was very much about like, you have to do it exactly like the record. And then when you loosen up on stage and you start the wrong song, it makes it makes it more fun for everyone. You know, per- performance shouldn't be perfect, but it took, you know, a couple of hundred shows for me to realize that. So yeah, so Matt, don't do the alternate chorus, just do the regular chorus. All right, perfect. You know, I couldn't sleep at all last night. So I took a walk outside instead 
Thought about the words that could have made it right What I should have said I wish I'd known the circumstance And now it seems I've paid the price If you'd only give me one more chance I promise it won't happen twice All alone here on a Sunday afternoon the house feels empty when you're not around I keep hoping that you're coming back soon There's not a sound I wish I'd known the circumstance And now it seems I've paid the price If you'd only give me one more chance I promise it won't happen you up and left a message on your phone I was struggling with the words to say I said I love you and I need to know that you're okay Regular chorus I wish I'd known the circumstance and now it seems I've paid the You'd only give me one more chance I promise it won't happen twice Oh, very nice. I like how, I like how you yeah. were mouthing the words along, Jay. So close. Oh, Jay was doing that? I was focusing on not messing it up, so that's good. Well, sorry, I, didn't, I was doing it subconsciously. Yeah, so speaking of subconsciously, who is this song about, Jay? Um, you know, Matt did his whole scat thing. So I don't know that really, you know, it's a, a lot of what I write for Matt is love songs. Yeah. But, you know, there's always the the sadder love songs, the missing love. The This is sort of like, you know, I screwed up. Uh, you know, yeah. this is like that disconnect where you're not sure what you've done wrong. which is maybe why it was appropriate that your song would be selected for the bachelorette right yeah isn't isn't that a lot of what the show is about (laughs) yeah exactly so you know i tend to write for the singer like i imagine the voice in my head and then i also you know sometimes will write almost for like a character like uh, just imagining some midwestern pickup truck driving person, you know, who's singing, uh, you know, about having a child and changing their life or something like that. um, I have like the kind of places where they have four feet of snow today from the lake. Yeah. It's a theme up there. But yeah, no. Oh, no, I know. So with with Matt, I tend to write love songs. I would say 80% of what I've written are either happy love songs or or troubled love songs, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, when, when I first met Matt and I started listening to his music, that is sort of his genre a little bit. I mean, he was Grammy nominated for a song called Love, uh, which a lot of people still use as their wedding song. It's a, it's a great song. And, uh, you know, a lot of what Matt's put out there our, our love songs. Wouldn't you say that, Matt? That's sort of like your niche? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I tried to, on my third record, 
I tried to sort of make it cooler, but it just, you know, you have to sort of stick to your, to your genre. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to deviate from that because that's really what people want to hear from me. Oh, wait, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You have deviated. <laughs> Let's hear the McRib song. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's love. That love. love. Yeah. <laughs> McRib is love. <laughs> I'm really? actually in that commercial. Yeah. So, so Matt, I, have a, I just have a question about your process, and it's just curious to me. So, when you're when you're when you're writing, are, yeah. are you writing just just the notes first, or, or are you when you're writing, you're hearing that scat at, at the same time? Is it is it one before the other, and then you you kind of add that the the scat and, and where the lyrics are going to be, or it's all one 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 sound in in your head that that comes out i think it's all one sound but yeah. again it really depends i mean i always say you know i mean i have about seven or eight hundred voice memos on my phone just from like this year so mm. it's sort of like when you hear something whether it's in a restaurant i have to put it down because i'll forget it and i think that all you know musicians and singer songwriters have, have the same thing they'll hear something and if they don't put it down, it's it's you know it, it's 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 gone. It's sort of like lightning bugs. Uh, Ray LaMontagne described it as like you know you see the the lightning bug if you catch it that's like a song. So if you don't get it, it's gone for good. It's, I think uh, writers very much are like that too. Where if you don't catch that fleeting idea, forget um, it. It just disappears. Oh, yeah, I get that. that I get that with planning board meetings all the time. <laughs> 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 you know, I, I wanted to ask Jay a question if I could. Um, I've known for a while that Jay was a drummer specifically because of this, and that is Escola de Samba Boom, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. And I would go to parades to take photos. And at the beginning of the parade, the politicians would come through. So there would be Jay as our county legislator at the time, plus, you know, the town board before he actually became the supervisor of the Southampton town board. And then the parade would continue. And then like an hour later, the other, Jay. the other Jay. So, yeah, so, so Jay. I was, I would be, I'd be in the parade twice. Sometimes wow. I'd have to figure out the logistics. Yeah. Of, That's probably why people were confused. <laughs> right, they thought That's there were two, two of you. Jays. Two Jays. So yeah, I would go through with, you know, the suit and tie and wave to the parade watchers. Um, and then I would get to the end and sometimes I'd leave like a bicycle at the end or a skateboard. <laughs> I'd get back to the beginning. You put on a T-shirt, you know, grab grab a Brazilian drum and play with uh, the Brazilian samba wow. group. So, yeah, Escola de Samba Boom, which is a really fun group. That's Richie Siegel. Um, Siegler. Siegler. Richie um, Siegler. Siegler. Richie Siegler, yes. who's, who, who leads a great guy uh, from Shelter Island, but he studied Brazilian music. And he started getting together at Sag Main Beach, I, I want to say, a good 10 years ago maybe longer and it it started out with just a, a handful of people um maybe 10 people and he was teaching us how to do a brazilian street samba like they do at carnival in rio de janeiro and you know we'd get together and every once in a while so passerby you know somebody walking their dog or coming down to the beach around sunset they would stop and listen and we started to get a bit of a crowd and some of the people who were watching and listening they would be inspired they'd want to learn and they you know they'd pick up a, a shaker or a small drum or something like that a bell 
Um, and they would then join us. And some people who never actually drummed before uh, became drummers with us. And so the spectators were growing and the drummers were growing <laughs> to, the, to the point we actually had to change location on the beach. Um, and we ended up with like 50 drummers and hundreds of spectators. Uh, it became the thing to do on Monday nights. And I just remember one time, there must have been a thousand people who came on the beach to watch us practice because we were practicing. And uh, a, a, a cop shows up and uh, a friend of mine, a, a drummer, knowing that I was in government says, you know, do you think you should go and talk to the, the police officer? And I said, why? And he goes, well, don't, <laughs> don't we need a permit <laughs> to have all these people? And, and I said to him, I said, did you invite any of these people? Because I didn't. It was true. We hadn't. We, it was just our group of drummers that were just, Everybody wanted to, it became a happening, a Hamptons happening. So, is uh, it still going on, Jay? Well, we, you know, Richie's down in Mexico now, and uh, yeah, no, it goes on. We, you know, we'll hopefully, if you know, if he's strong enough, we'll be back again next summer. And uh, it's a fun thing to do. Sometimes it gets he, Rich, mm. Richie doesn't like the crowds, so sometimes we move from one beach to another just to sort of lose the audience. It really is about us practicing. Yeah. But I love Latin music. I mean, I, uh, I I love all kinds of percussion, ethnic percussion. I studied a little bit in uh, Mali, West Africa, and I studied in uh, Central America. So, you know, and then I studied traditionally here. So I, I, you know, I had music teachers when I was a kid, drum teachers. I played all through college. I had a pretty popular band in college. And then I, you know, I played out here. You know, it's usually when you're playing gigs out here, it's cover music, it's other people's music. But I always wanted to play original music. And, you know, now my focus, you know, if somebody asked me to play covers, I, I'm not really excited about it. I want to do original music. And luckily we have some places that are really supportive. I played all summer with this Haitian guy, a really talented guy named Obed Jean-Louis. He's a singer songwriter and, uh, we played throughout the summer, his music, not my music, but a really, really talented guy. And we'll, I'll probably play with him again, so, you know, next summer as so, well. Jay, now that but, uh, you're reminding us of summer while we're all freezing cold, what have you got going on for the holiday season? How's that segue? Uh, so, so I, that's fine. We could talk about Christmas. I, you know, I've, I've written different types of songs and, um, I did write a Christmas song years ago, and uh, I haven't released it yet. And I, I'm I'm working on different versions, but one of those versions is with this guy Alessandro Giangola, who's really a super talented musician. Uh, uh, Matt mentioned him earlier. He's a great guitar player. He's got a great voice too. Um, he's a singer, and so I I came up with the lyrics for this Christmas song. I had some ideas musically. Um, but Ollie's really taken the ball and ran with it. Oh, it's Christmas time, Christmas time. So I'll share with you this wish of mine. And I hope that it will come true. You ought to know that I miss you so. So I'll wish for you in some mistletoe. I think. You'll know what to do Cause it's not Christmas time without you 
Have to be on the float for the Southampton Santa Fe. <laughs> oh, yes, be on the float. Well, that version's really jazzed up. That you know the original melody was pretty classical, sort of Frank Sinatra. Very pretty. But, uh, Ollie yeah. was having a little bit of fun, so. Uh, yeah, I could. I mean, you guys got to get a float. Get these guys oh, a float. God. So <laughs> we'll do it at the uh, big duck lighting. Aren't you going to be there? Yeah, I'm sure I'll be there making bad big, <laughs> big duck jokes. So <laughs> oh, no, that was, that was fun. And you know, that's really written to sound like a Christmas classic, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. of yeah, the absolutely. kind that we all grew up with. So. Or a Target commercial. Yeah. <laughs> that pays well. <laughs> they need help. Yeah. yeah. Target needs help. So Jay and Matt, do you guys perform out here together at all live? I mean, yeah, when when we can for sure. Any gigs coming up like in the near future? Like, not really. I mean, there's no form. We sort of all get together when we can, and it's you know I always say like, you know, it's sort of like being a a kid in junior high. You know, we're jamming in Jay's garage, yeah. and there's just no, you know, and it's a lot of fun more than anything. Matt plays out, he's being humble, though. He plays out all the time, just not so much locally. I mean, he yeah. toured with John Mayer for years. He writes with everybody from mm -hmm. Justin Bieber to Carrie Underwood. Um, you know, and he gets, a lot of times when I'm trying to get together with Matt, he's like, ah, I got to go yeah. to Chicago and play a show there. So he gets pulled into everything. So he's actually hard to pin down. So do you want to talk about the song that made it onto The Bachelorette? Um, Lift Me Up it is, right? Yeah. Give us a little background and um, how the song was submitted, how it was chosen. The winds of change bring clouds of gray. So I had done um, The Bachelorette back in 2013 or 2014. Um, I flew to Munich and played like a date night. And um, the creators of the show and the executive producers are good friends of mine. Um, so they had been wanting to, we've been wanting to do something for a while. Um, so, you know, the, the lift me up theme, everyone was sort of depressed from COVID and, you know, it's, it's a sad song in a way, like just mid-tempo sort of ballad, but, you know, just that theme of lift me up, you know, everyone had, everyone was dealing with like this craziness of COVID. No one, I, I still even look at texts from that time and people were like, well, if you don't make it, like that's how crazy it was, I think, for some people. And so I sent it to the uh, the head of music at the Bachelor franchise, who I know well, and, and she loved it. And she passed it through all the executive producers and they all loved it. And they initially had it in, initially was gonna perform it live. And then when I was there singing, my voice was getting in the way of the scene, which was these two, the, the Bachelorette, 
and the guy talking like they had like a a, a video a montage video and i guess they didn't really realize that the vocal would get in the way of the voice so i did this sort of interlude thing and then they said well they'll air the studio version a bunch of times because they sort of felt you know not bad but they were like you know it should have been your song but we didn't realize that the vocal was mixed so loud you know everything changes on the fly with that show so what you can go in to do it changes you know the next second so we tried to make it work with me performing live but they had the song in um that one big moment where um it aired and then they had it in a few other moments and i guess that got cut but now as of you know yesterday or the day before they're gonna use it again um but you really don't know until like it airs you know it changes so many times until it until it's on Did you actually watch the song debut on uh, The Bachelorette or did you just know about it? You know, it's it's funny. I heard it was going to be on and I watched, you know, painfully, like a lot of <laughs> Bachelorette episodes. <laughs> you know, just like hoping that the song was going to appear. Um, I, the night it appeared, I actually did not watch it. And I found out afterwards, Matt sent me a little video of it being on so you know he had thought they were going to give him a heads up that it was going to be on but in this case they didn't i guess they were in a hurry you and i were on the phone saying i wonder when it's going to be on and you were on the phone right what it was playing and i got off the phone and my twitter and everything was getting you know and wow. that's how i found out so when did it air it aired august 19th okay I think. Yeah. And what has happened since with the song? Yeah, I was gonna say, is your lives changed because of this at all? Either of you or both of you or none of you? Well, and I, I wanna say there was originally two different versions. There was a version with drums and other instruments right. and that we ended up not going with. We went with the ballad version because I think people were right. gravitating toward that. So I know, I know there's been right. like, a, what, a, 100,000 or so streams of the song. It's on a lot of playlists now. So it's sort of growing. And Matt's been teaching me a lot about the industry and how um, a song matures, how a song, like it takes a while for it to start getting legs and start getting hurt. Though like 25 million people heard it, at least that piece of it that was on The Bachelorette. Yeah, we have like 15,000 Shazams. You know, Spotify, you know, you get the 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 streams but it doesn't show up on spotify so i think as of today it was like forty thousand. but on my end it's like a hundred and fifty thousand. so in another two months it'll be that but you know there's like almost fourteen thousand shazams which is pretty remarkable that you know fourteen thousand people um for you know 30 seconds of life you know went on so can i say on on the financial end of it so you know, this is something I'm learning as well, too, because you really don't make a lot of money from those, um, you know, 
iTunes or Apple Music or, you know, every time somebody listens to it, it's like pennies. Um, but so with a song, when you register a song and I'm, I'm with ASCAP and I, I, are you with BMI or ASCAP, Matt? I, I forget. ASCAP too, right? I'm ASCAP, yeah. Right. So you have these different um, companies that represent musicians. Songwriters. And they track every time it's played anywhere in the world and then it mm. works its way back to you but there's song splits so in in the case of lift me up you know i wrote the lyrics i didn't write the music um so i get a cut of the writer's side and then there's a producer side so matt matt produced it and with sony music is that how that works matters so it, it's published by sony uh atv which is my publisher and then uh released by universal Right. So there's different mm -hmm. partners in the song. So I get a portion of the writer side. That gets a portion of the writer side plus a portion of the is it the producer side or the publisher side? No, the ma the master, but I don't I don't get the master. That's 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 the label. So we 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 get basically every time it airs like you know, if you write a hit song, every time that song's performed, which is whether it's performed live or, or the replication of it, um, you get a fee. And there's also like a 30% margin of error because if your song is played in, in Belgium, this is what always confuses me, even though I've been in the business for 20 years, it confuses everybody, even the people that work at ASCAP and BMI, is how do you know what, you know, there's a calculation involved. You know, if you write a hit song or you have a song in a show and it airs a bunch of times you're going to make good money um you know there there are people who all they do is write songs and every time that song is played on the radio they get a small you know z z you know pennies on the dollar but if it's played ten thousand times a week it adds up right if you have a lot of songs out there you get a little bit from each one and if you license a song if let's say uh somebody wants to use it in a commercial or a movie yeah you can get a chunk yeah. of money right Right. That's you get the yeah, that yeah, is, that, that's that's the golden goose. And and even getting it in TV shows. Lift me up is competing for a number of commercials, right, Matt? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 in that circuit. So we're trying to, you know, because I've I've done it a bunch of times with other songs and you know, I never you know, radio is is very tough. So I always focused on getting syncs, whether it's like CW shows, Pretty Little Liars, Vampire Diaries, One Tree Hill, um, you know, Gilmore Girls, things like that, or in movies. That's always been really great f f from what I've seen. Hi, this is Michael Wright. I'm a reporter for the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and 27East.com. I cover East Hampton Town and follow important stories about the environment, including the coming South Fork wind farm, its impact on the fishing industry, and other water quality issues. We follow East Hampton Town and village government, and I'm asking the tough questions and providing you with important answers. My colleagues and I in the editorial department work hard as watchdogs for this community, but we can't do it without our subscribers. If you find the work we're doing valuable to you, please subscribe by visiting 27East.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you very much. I want to hear Matt talk about how he went from being a political science major to a musician and Jay talk about from being how he's going from yeah. being a politician to a lyricist. <laughs> to a, to a, to a lyricist. But 
we talked about that when we were interviewing you, Matt. Do you remember? Yeah, vaguely. You rattled off all the politicians that you knew and what bands they were in. Oh well, I, I didn't. I didn't know them, but I just knew that they were politicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that they were politicians and that they, they also were musicians. So I always thought found that fascinating. Um, as recently as Anthony Blinken, who plays in like a, a hard rock band, but Beto O'Rourke, I used to see Beto O'Rourke on tour. Um, and then all of a sudden he was like in a hard rock metal band. And then I'm like, is that Beto O'Rourke the bassist? And he all of a sudden became a congressman. It was crazy. But I used to see him, you know, you cross paths with these at Austin City Limits and South by Southwest. And uh, I remember him with long hair and he would play shirtless. And then now I see him and, you know, it's it's pretty, you know, I don't think Jay's going to play shirtless anytime soon, but, you know, maybe he will. Warren <laughs> Hatch was a very prolific songwriter, 300 songs. Um, you know, there, there are a ton of others. I just can't think of them. I mean, you know, President Clinton was a sax player, right, um, you know, so I mean, there's, there, there's just a lot of uh, connections between music and sort of politics where you have to organize things, whether it's producing a song, knowing how the drums and the bass fit, here's the vocal, it's sort of or being organized and knowing how to get things happening, I think. So Jay, is your next move then going to be a professional musician? Like, what are you going to do after, after you're done with your gig at Town Hall? <laughs> I know I don't know. I yeah, the music is definitely something I'm eyeing doing more of, focusing on creative pursuits. You know, I'm still considering other potential elected offices, but I, you know, I haven't made any decisions on that. So no announcements uh, on this podcast. But but I had, you know, Kitty mentioned, you know, in the article that you know, I I've done some radio commercials. Campaign jingles. You know, my very first run so uh, working with this guy, Bruce Milne, and this guy, Ron Stanfield, well... Spider-Man, Spider-Man. No, first it was the J.O. song, which was, you know, like, like Deo, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and Bruce Milne did a really good Harry Belafonte. Hey, the folks have their way. Come, Mr. Schneiderman, protect the environment. Vote for Jay and the folks have their way. Pay back the debt and open up the government. Vote for Jay and the folks have their way. Six votes, seven votes, eight votes more. Vote for Jay and the folks have their way. Here he come knocking at your door. Vote for Jay and the folks have their way. Vote for Jay oh, on election day. Oh, vote for Jay and the folks have their way. That's great. So did that get you elected? It did. Like people were like yes. singing this song. It like got stuck in their head. And I was... yeah. Earworm. <laughs> they got me to stop listening to the local radio station. Yeah, it was just like it was too much, right? So and then I did this version of the Spider-Man song, which I never used in the commercial, but so uh so how much longer are you our um our supervisor of southampton town jay just till the end of next year yeah so you gotta you gotta think about your musical career and so what other what other elected positions are you are you thinking of jay you 
You brought it up. Yeah, really. Bomb dropper. Oh, well, ah. you know, I've been looking at the county executive race, you know, because uh, Steve Ballone is termed out and uh, he can't, uh, obviously can't run for another term. And I, you know, I've been debating whether, I mean, I think I'd be a good candidate for having run two towns and grew up in Hopog, but sp spent 12 years at the county legislature there, including I was deputy presiding officer. But um, like, I think I have the right resume for the job. It's not going to come down to the jingle, though, Jay. That's right. I was just thinking that, man. You got to get Matt on it to help you write the music for that. I, you know, it's right now. It's like where I where I want to focus my energy. I have to just decide, you know, and um, you know, spending time. Like I, I always dream. Like you know, I talk to Matt about it. It's like, take me with you. Let's go on tour. Yeah. Either that, or the two of you have to open up a Bluebird Cafe in Sac Harbor, right, Matt? Well, that yeah. I that's not a bad idea. I think that'd be super cool. Gotta be called uh -huh. Jay's Garage. Yeah. I really think that could be super cool. The only problem is the rent's going to be $25,000 a month. I don't know how much right. you can make oh, on yeah. coffee. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Probably. So Matt said to me on a number of occasions that, you know, had I figured out at an earlier point in my life that, you know, the, you know, that I was a lyricist, I, you know, likely would have taken a different path and it would have ended up in LA and, doing that and not ended up here in Southampton running the town, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about, but it doesn't mean that it's uh, it's too late. I think there's still plenty of time. I got a lot of energy and, you know, it kind of would be fun to to focus on creative pursuits for a while. Sure. But look at all that you've accomplished and as, as, you know, the town's yeah. town's supervisor and, and, you know, and, and on the County, County level and all that, you, you know, all those accomplishments. I mean, and now as a lyricist for a national TV show. Well, what rhymes with executive? It's very hard to leave public office. I've been in public office for 22 years now, I think. Plus, I think he probably still has the bumper stickers because he did one brilliant thing in his first run. He didn't say, it just said J. It doesn't say J for East Hampton Town, J for Southampton Town, J for County. Le it just says J. It's because Schneiderman doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. Right. So all it says is J. So he could just, he, he can use those every every campaign that he's been in since 1999. Of course, people would steal them. Anybody with the name J yeah. or somebody who knew somebody named J would steal those oval J's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's that you know that's kind of a creative part of being in in government, the campaigning. It's it's like branding a product, except mm -hmm. you're you know you're branding yourself. Sure. So it, it does uh, allow me, I guess, some freedom of creativity. Well, it sure has been nice having you guys on, talking about something that's not about traffic, government, affordable housing. Affordable housing. Hampton Bays. Downtown Hampton Bays. Oh, yeah. Kind of We're just talking <laughs> about lifting you up. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's fun for me to talk about something other than government. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love working with Matt. He's really very, very talented. And I always look forward to getting together and writing with him. And I, I want to do it more, Matt. So yeah, no, I gotta get. I mean, I, I really um um I when I talked to you this morning about you know, so I watched that show Nashville religiously, but doing some sort of thing in the Hamptons, like a bluebird, I think it could be super cool because there's a lot of talent here. It's not, you know, a handful of people. It's like dozens and dozens of people. I'm like, I, I, you know. oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Mr. Cayola will build one in Hampton Bays. 
Who knows? Mm-hmm. There you go. Somewhere. Even Hampton Bay, Sag Harbor, Southampton. Um, you know, the Stephen Talkhouse has really been a Yeah, Talkhouse is great. That's true. You know, and I'm against it. Um, though it tends to be blues and rock and roll. You know, <laughs> I always like the idea of like a coffee house kind of place. Oh, exactly. You know? Not an evening. There used to be a bunch of those in Chicago. That I used like to a singer-songwriter night where you can actually have a conversation. Yeah, or even an afternoon, you know? Yeah, you didn't get the sense that the bluebird wasn't the bluebird, at least in Nashville. You got the sense watching the show that it was like open from lunch until whenever. Right. Yeah. You know, was yeah. Right. in the day during the day with lunchtime. All right. So you got your business model. Yeah. Make it so. All yeah, right. no, I've, I'm, I've been thinking about it all morning. Well, if we come up with any good real estate leads, we'll let you know. How's that? Yeah, let us know. Awesome. Okay. Sounds good. Thank right. you guys so much. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It was really fun. Awesome. My pleasure. A lot of fun. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.